Lord. Well, I am so honored to be here. And uh, what a beautiful place. What a wonderful crowd. What a tremendous blessing it is to feel the presence of the Lord. And uh, to be with all these great men of God. All of these campers. All the adults and all that are here tonight. And certainly we feel the presence of the Lord. Isn't God good to us? Amen. I'm hungry for the Lord, and I want to feel after God tonight. I'm trying to do just a little bit of acclimating, uh, weather-wise and time-wise. My body's screaming at me, telling me it's time to go to bed, because I'm three hours ahead. Uh, but we'll get that figured out before the end of the week. And... Uh, and then just to be able to be in the presence of the Lord and feel His touch. I'm always needing Him to help me. And uh, I asked Elder Hyler just a moment ago about the uh, meeting and if it was basically youth camp or camp meeting. And I was under the impression it was kind of a mixture of both. And that's what it is. And uh, sought the Lord and asked Him to give me some direction for this first night of the camp. I believe I've heard from the Lord. And I want to be a blessing to all of you and uh, because I need to be touched myself. And uh, did you come hungry for the Lord to do something to you and for you this week? I've always found out. Elder Klon mentioned it a moment ago. I've always found out that whatever you get from God, it is a direct result of divine reciprocation. If you don't give any... You don't get any. And it always starts with the hunger and the thirsting for righteous things that opens up the tap of heaven and lets it rain on you. It's an attitude. I'm hungry for the Lord tonight. I want him to touch me. I need him to touch me. Praise God. Thought about it earlier and um, today. And about the honor and being here. I want to thank you for the room, the basket, and uh, all the friendship and the kind words. So much appreciate that. Appreciate being able to be again uh, teamed up with my dear friend and mentor, Elder Howard, uh, which has been a great strength to me for many, many years. And uh, we'll enjoy sitting at the table and dining and feasting off the good word of God that we'll hear in the afternoon. So uh, I'm just really blessed tonight, and I thought, Lord, I'm, I don't deserve this honor. And then I got to thinking, I've got arthritis, and I don't deserve that either. So I guess there's a lot of things we have we don't deserve. <laughs> Praise the Lord. Uh, but the Lord is good to us. If you have your Bibles, please go with me, if you will, and I will try to get on with the Word of the Lord here just for a little while. And uh, please excuse me, but right now I don't feel like getting in a hurry. And uh, that may be good and that may be bad. Uh, but I do feel that the Lord wants to talk to us tonight. And I'm not presumptuous in making that statement. Because if God don't show up, we're all in trouble. But if He'll show up, all great things will happen. Praise God. People can get the baptism of the Holy Ghost. 
People can receive healing in their sick body and deliverance for their souls. Praise God. I thought about it uh, and have been thanking God. It seems like in the last uh, 12 months, God has been very gracious to us. Uh, I think I've probably seen more miracles at home than I have my entire life in the last 12 months. And it's certainly the grace and the mercy of God. And uh, seen some folks get the Holy Ghost here recently. Uh, one man that I was praying for deeply before service and weeping for the Lord uh, for his physical condition. Uh, the devil does not want him to live. That They placed him in the hospital. He was a drug dealer. And God has filled him with the Holy Ghost and it has shaken that area. And uh, I'm in a small town. So everybody knows... And the devil hates it. And so I began to intercede and seek God for his physical behalf because I believe that he's going to be a great key in us reaching many, many more. One drug dealer was at our church not long ago and uh, just a young guy. He was quite a bit taller and I had to stand on the pew to pray for him. And uh, he was in the back and he didn't know what to do and he'd never been in an apostolic service before. And uh, I got to praying for him, and he get, began to tremble. And then when he threw his arms down, I didn't know what he was going to do, and he grabbed and hugged me. And he said, I have never felt anything that good in my life. <laughs> I said, wait till you get the Holy Ghost. <laughs> Praise God. I'm telling you, the Holy Ghost is the greatest experience you could ever have. It don't get any better than the Holy Ghost. Praise God. Somebody shout hallelujah. hallelujah. Praise God. I want to go to the book of Romans chapter 8 and uh, also in Galatians chapter 2. If some of you are very quick and nimble with your fingers, you'll be able to get both of them before some folks get to the first one. I want to begin in Romans chapter 8 and then I will uh, try to finish up my text reading out of chapter 2 of the book of Galatians. Romans chapter 8 again. Thank you, brethren, for the invitations. I am tr tremendously honored. Uh, such great men of God who have uh, put this on and, and uh, we're honored to be here. And may God bless all of you uh, for all of your efforts and all those that are putting in making all this happen. Romans the 8th chapter verse 5. For they that are after the flesh do mind the things of the flesh. But they that are after the Spirit, the things of the Spirit. For to be carnally minded is death, but to be spiritually minded is life and peace. Verse 13. For if ye live after the flesh, ye shall die. But if ye through the Spirit do mortify the deeds of the body, ye shall live. For as many as are led by the Spirit of God, they are the sons of God. Galatians chapter 2 and verse number 20. It was in the New Testament last time I checked. Galatians chapter 2 and verse number 20. Amen. I am crucified with Christ. Nevertheless, I live. Yet not I, but Christ liveth in me. And the life which I now live in the flesh, I live by the faith of the Son of God, who loved me and gave himself for me. 
Paul said, I am crucified with Christ. Nevertheless, I live. Verse 13 of Romans 8. If ye through the Spirit do mortify the deeds of the body, ye shall live. I want to talk to you a little while on this subject, and I do feel it burning in my soul. On this little simple subject, the final words of a dying man. The final words of a dying man. Would you lift your hands to the Lord and your voice to God? Would you ask him to speak to you through his word tonight? God, we are grateful for the touch of the Holy Ghost that we have already felt. Touch the hearts of those who will hear today and give them thirsty hearts and hearing ears. To hear the words of the Spirit of God and not just the words of a preacher. I pray, O oh Lord Jesus, let the Spirit of God envelop this congregation. Let the name of Jesus be glorified and the power of God be displayed. I bind every foul spirit that would hinder the word of God tonight. And I stand upon the authority of your word and give you the glory for all things. In Jesus' name we pray. Let us worship the Lord together. Let us worship the Lord together. Praise God. Praise God. I love you, Jesus, and I magnify your holy name. Blessed be the name of the Lord. Praise God. Shake hands with someone that is next to you tonight and tell them, I want to live. God bless you. May be seated in Jesus' name. Probably one of the greatest men that intrigues me throughout the New Testament times would be, other than Jesus Christ, would be the life of the Apostle Paul. A great man who wrote more than two-thirds of our New Testament, started more churches than any man that we know, and probably faced more adversity and yet seen more victories than any man that we have a biography of. And we find that he is writing in both of these passages, in Romans and also Galatians, about a particular truth that so many people have ignored in these latter times. And it seems to me that if there is some man that could ever do anything for God and be so profoundly used by the Spirit of God, men would try to find a way to emulate that wonderful thing. So I preach to young people here tonight and also those that are out that are a little older than the young and they're married and have children of their own. Let me just tell you that it is the will of God for God to build people in this last hour to be mightily used of the Holy Ghost. If you're waiting for a time to consecrate, that time is now. If you're waiting for a time to get close to God, that time is now. We don't have any daylight to burn, as they say at home. This is the hour, this is the time to make up our mind to be everything that God would have us to be in this year of 2010 Pacific Coast Camp. And I believe that I'm going to be preaching to hungry people this week. People that have made up their mind that they have come more than just for a good time. More than just for fellowship. More than just trying to meet somebody they've never met before. But that they could get closer to God. And have the mighty hand of God's anointing placed upon their soul. And that they could go back home and be a better saint. A better prayer warrior. A better worshiper. A better person for the kingdom of God. 
and to put the devil behind them and to be able to live for God in a glorious and successful manner. Let's give the Lord a good hand clap, everybody. Praise God. Thank you, Jesus. I have entitled this, and of course I will get on with this if the Lord will help me, and I better take my watch off or I'll be preaching half the night. And then I'll pay for it tomorrow. <laughs> Praise the Lord. It seems to me that the final words of a man that he speaks on a deathbed are perhaps some of the most important words that he will ever speak. I remember when, my, uh, when I used to work with my father and he was yet alive, uh, he would give me some instructions before he would go out on the mission field or perhaps go and preach a revival somewhere. And, and there would be a list of things that he'd want me to take care of. But the things he told me last were the things that were most important to him. He would always say, son, now I want you to remember to do this and to do this and to do this. Now, there may be 20 things, but the last few things were the things that were on his mind. And it seems to me that uh, in the hour that we live in, we have things called wills. And I don't know if you've taken time to read through some of the wills of people that have passed away, but... Uh, some of them are, are quite interesting, uh, to say the least. Matter of fact, there was uh, one man one time that was an elderly man. And uh, as he got older, he had to go to the doctor to get him a hearing aid. And uh, the doctor gave him the best that they had. And several weeks later, he came back for a checkup. And the doctor said, well, how's your hearing? He said, it's much better. And uh, he said, well, what does your family think about it? He said, well, I haven't told my family about it. And uh, he said, well, why? He said, no, I haven't. He said, matter of fact, in the last three weeks, I've changed my will four times. <laughs> Praise God. So it's the last things that, that a man will say that seem to utter from the very depths and the corridors of his soul that uh, really peer into the things that are important to him. Matter of fact, as you begin to read through uh, some of the uh, diary works of the Apostle Paul uh, when he was in prison some of the very few days before he passed away, you would hear him say things to Timothy that were very important to him. Things like, I have fought a good fight. I have kept the faith. I have finished my course. Henceforth is laid up for me a crown of righteousness, but not to me only, but to all those who love his appearing. Can I tell you, you need to get the love of God and the love of his truth down in your heart in this hour as you never have before. The winds of adversity are going to blow. The winds of temptation are going to blow. Your world is going to shake real and rock. But if your house is built upon the foundation of the rock of truth, when the storm stops blowing and the rain quits falling, your house will still remain. I don't know about you, but I made up my mind a long time ago. I'm going to be saved by the help and grace of Almighty God. And there's not a devil in hell that's going to cause me to be lost. I'm not going to let a friendship cause me to be lost. I'm not going to let a trial bump me out of a church. But I'm going to let it draw me closer to the cross. And wrap my arms around the butt of that old bloody cross. And say, not my will, but thy will be done. Praise God. Praise God. Everybody say, praise the Lord. 
You could see the charted course of the Apostle Paul and the list of the things that he had went through in the book of 2 Corinthians chapter number 11. I will not take the time to categorize all of them and read the catalog of his adversities. However, there are so many things to be stated about that. A man that had been through so much and yet we find him as he is still reaching for God. In Philippians chapter 3, he said, Oh, that I might know him in the power of his resurrection and in the fellowship of his suffering. You would think that a man that had written so much of the New Testament, a man that had seen so many revivals and prayed so many people through to the baptism of the Holy Ghost, you would think that because he had a few devil hides on his belt loop, that uh, he would think it would be time to kind of lay off and quit and, and to go on back home and let somebody else do it. But to the last dying day, he was still writing epistles, still preaching messages, still had the burden of the church upon his soul. There he had been in a day, day and a night in the deep and uh, had been beaten and had been, uh, had been stoned by the men at Lystra. It seemed like he ran like, a, like a, a wounded animal from one city to the other. But he had climbed out from under the rock pile and he had lived to preach another message. Live to write another epistle. Live to pray another prayer. It seemed like he just couldn't get enough done. How do men like this live? Where do they come from? Are they born this way? Is it seeming like that when God finally fills somebody with the Holy Ghost, that something changes dramatically in their lives? And that's absolutely true, but not totally true. Because when you receive the baptism of the Holy Ghost, that was the beginning of your spiritual experience. And then God begins to perfect you. Things begin to happen to you. Just because you got the Holy Ghost doesn't mean you're not going to get sick. That you're not going to get a headache. That you're not going to have adversity and trials in your life. Matter of fact, it seems that whenever you begin to walk with God, it begins the trials and the adversities. And it's not because that God doesn't love you, but he loves you too much to let you stay the way you are. And so he'll send a curve your way. He'll send an adversity your way. He'll send a trial your way to kind of knock the rough edges off and give you a prayer life. Isn't it true that none of us would know really how to pray had it not been for a circumstance that put us on our knees and caused us to call out to God in the night times of despair and say, Jesus, I know you're there somewhere. I need you to help me. And in those midnight hours is where God began to bond you with him and thank God for the experience. I said, thank God for the experience. Praise God. Praise the Lord. Matter of fact, he began to, the apostle Paul began to write such things like this. He said, I protest by your rejoicing, which I have in Christ Jesus, our Lord. I die daily. There is something being said by the apostle Paul that can be so easily missed by his successes, by the great things that he wrote. We would think that perhaps that uh, maybe he's a second or third person in the Godhead for all the stuff that he has done. Of course, we know there's only one God. I'm only being just a little sarcastic there. But a man that could do so much and still keep on going. What is his secret to this? What keeps him going after all of these trials and problems? And there's a secret that I'm going to preach to you about tonight. It is about crucifying yourself with Christ. 
You can't live unless you first learn how to die. Now I know I'm preaching to young people here today, but can I tell you that you'll never live for God all of your life until you learn how to lay yourself down on a cross and learn how to give yourself totally, unreservedly submitted to the perfect will of God. As long as your flesh is alive, there is no way you can do the will of God. As long as your flesh is alive, there is nothing you'll do but resist the kingdom of God. But if you can go to an altar and pray until your flesh dies, pray until your will is submitted, pray until the will of God is formed in your soul, then and only then will you ever be able to do the work of God successfully and hear him say, well done, that good and faithful servant. I don't know about you, but I've got to hear those words. I've got, I'm going to hear him say those words. He will not say well done if you have not done well. Somewhere in all of this, we have got to lose ourselves in the work of God. It's not about us. It's about him. It's not about what we think, but it's about what he knows. I wish I had somebody to help me preach tonight. We don't know anything, but God knows everything. His ways are above our ways, and his thoughts are above our thoughts. For as the heavens are high above the earth, so far his ways above our ways, and his thoughts above our thoughts. Praise God. Hallelujah. For we see in the text, for they that do, that are after the flesh, do mind the things that are after the flesh. But they that are after the Spirit, the things that are of the Spirit. For to be carnally minded is death, but to be spiritually minded is life and peace. It is possible, and more than possible. It is the reason why so many people who come to church are so miserable. Because they are living in the carnal mind. You can't do this after the carnal mind. You can't figure it out. God has got to take his finger and write this in your heart. Or it's always going to be a struggle. It's always going to be a problem. It's always going to be a pain to you. Unless God gives you a revelation. Hallelujah. Thank God for our preachers that get up and preach against the sins that are rampant in our world. And we need to hear that kind of preaching. We need the preacher to preach against television and video and jewelry and makeup and cut hair. Oh, yes, we do. But it's got to go further than that. you got to pray that in your spirit. you got to pray it until you get a personal conviction. We know what the Bible says. But what do you feel about it? How do you feel about it? Well, glory to God. Praise God. I've heard so many people say, I'm just so tired of fighting. I'm so tired of fighting. I think I've heard that so much that I have almost got sick of somebody saying that. Praise God. Listen to me tonight. If you get tired of fighting, what other alternative do you have? No, I get tired of fighting, but bless your heart, I'm going to fight until Jesus comes. I fought a good fight. I've kept the faith. And I have finished my course. 
If I've got to fight until I go to draw my latest breath, then bless your heart, I'll fight all the way to glory. But I will hear. I'm going to hear him say, well done, thy good and faithful servant. Oh, let's worship the Lord and magnify. Well, glory to God, glory to God, glory to God. Praise the Lord. Somebody shout hallelujah. You may be seated in Jesus' name. To be carnally minded is death, but to be spiritually minded is life and peace. Praise God. The people that know how to have peace and the people that are happy are the people that have submitted their lives to God. Young people that are happy are people that young people that have submitted their life to God. The ones that have the struggle that can't smile, that can't be happy about living for God. There's a war going on and they have not yet died out to the flesh. Praise God. I've heard some people talk about that. You know, it's so hard living for God. I want to tell you what. It's not hard living for God. It's hard living for the devil. The Bible said the way of a transgressor is hard. The reason why you've got it hard is because your, your feet's in the church, but your heart's in the world. You don't want me to preach to you, but I'm going to preach to you tonight. You don't just need to have your feet in the church. You need to get your heart in the church. You need to be like David. I was glad when they said unto me, let us go to the house of the Lord. My heart's in the church. My heart's in the work of God. My heart's in this thing. Nothing makes me happier than having revival. Nothing makes me happier than having a prayer meeting. Nothing makes me happier than living for God. Take this whole world, but give me Jesus. It's good revival and good church and anointing that makes me happy. That's what makes me happy in living life. Praise God. Praise the Lord. To be carnally minded is death, but to be spiritually minded is life and peace. And then in verse 13 and 14, if you live after the flesh, ye shall die. You're not going to make it living for God in the flesh. You can't just do it when you feel like it. How many know that's the truth? You don't just worship when you feel like it. You worship when you feel like it and when you don't feel like it. Paul told Timothy, he said, preach. He said, preach in season and out of season. That means it's always right to preach. (laughs) It's always right to worship. It's always right to pray. It's always right to live right. You don't lick your finger and hoist it in the air and find out which way the wind is blowing and then determine whether you're going to live for God or not. I made up my mind a long time ago when I died out to my flesh. I'm going to live for God. If I got to do it by myself, I'm going to live for God. If I got to worship by myself, I'm going to live for God. If I got to pray by myself, I'm still going to live for God. Praise God. Because if you live after the flesh, you're going to die. But if you through the Spirit do mortify the deeds of the body, and it's more than just mind over matter. It's more than just saying, well, I'm not going to do this today. But you've got to do it through the Spirit. Somebody shout through the Spirit. It 
began in the spirit, it's got to end in the spirit. There's no way that you can conquer your flesh without the Holy Ghost intervening. Without you learning how to pray in the Holy Ghost. I want to just throw this out here, but I mentioned it to our church some time ago and I've been places before and I, I was not trying to be a, a, a obnoxious or whatever else. But I remember asking several places I've been in the last few months. I asked how many have ever seen a miracle and you'd be surprised not very many people have lifted their hands. I am not making the, uh, an indictment against the ministry per se. But I am just saying that God is still in the miracle working business. And he's still able to do all that he's ever done. You've got to remember, this is a work of the Spirit. It can't just be a work of the mind. It can't just be a work of the intellect. It's got to be a move of the Holy Ghost. Hallelujah. Praise God. Now I'm starting to feel like preaching a little while. Praise God. Get out of here, devil. I'm going to preach a while tonight. Praise God, because we're going to have revival and you've got to have it in the Spirit. Thank God for promotions, but you got to have a move of God. Thank God for organization, but you got to have a move of God. It's not by power, and it's not by might, but it's by my spirit, saith the Lord. Well, glory to God. Praise God. You see, brethren, Apostle Paul said that. You may be seated. He said, not, mighty men, not many mighty men after the flesh. He said, we're able to do the work of God. He said, but God had chosen the foolishness of preaching to save them that believe. Hallelujah. That no flesh should glory in his presence. And so we understand all these great principles and I don't have the time to mine all the gold out of those hills tonight. But let me just tell you that if you're going to get victory, then it's got to be more than just a passive worship. It's got to be more than just a whispered praise. It's got to be more than just a professional coming to the altar and acting like you're really doing something for God. You're going to have to get in the Holy Ghost. You're going to have to pray until you talk in tongues. Boy, the devil don't like that, but I'm going to preach it on anyhow. How long has it been since you talked in tongues? How long has it been since you shouted your hair down? How long has it been since you really got a hold of it? If you're going to conquer your flesh, you've got to do it in the Holy Ghost. I said, you must do it in the Holy Ghost. Praise God. More now than ever before, we need a move of the Holy Ghost. Thank God for good professional singing, but I, and I thank God for it. Amen. I come from part of the country, you can turn on your radio, and they have broadcast where the guitars are untuned and they sing through their nose. And uh, the harmony they make is more of a cacophony than a symphony, if you understand what I'm saying. And yet we do understand, and I thank God for good singing and all of that, and I appreciate all that I heard tonight. But you can't sing enough to have a revival. You can't play good enough to have a revival. You can't organize enough to have a revival. Brother, if you're going to shake a city, you've got to have an apostolic Holy Ghost outpouring. Until you got to have an outpouring of the Holy Ghost. 
Hallelujah. Let the man of God preach and let the congregation of God hold it high. But when it's all said and done and they turn the lights off and lock the front door, let it be said that surely the Lord was in that place. And the Holy Ghost kissed the earth and the Spirit of God accomplished all that he wanted to accomplish. Praise God for as many as are led by the Spirit of God. Praise God. Let me step, stop there. And I am really taking more time than I need to. Praise the Lord. But I do feel this. For as many as are led by the Spirit of God. If we're not careful, we'll gloss over this. And I know this men of God have studied it out. And have probably seen all this and preached it a dozen times. But I'm going to preach it again tonight. There's a key in this scripture here. About being a son of God. And the key is being able to be led. Not driven, not coerced, led. If your preacher has to drag you out over hell to get you to live for God, something's wrong with your spiritual equation. Oh God, hallelujah. But when you're talking about being led, you're not being pushed. You're not being coerced. And listen, I believe in having good church. And I heard one man tell me one time, he said, I believe in pushing a service. And I said, you know, that's wonderful and that's good. But how much more powerful would it be if the man of God could lead the congregation in worship? <laughs> I told our young men, I said, push it if you will, but it's a better way. If you want them to shout, show them how. If you want them to worship, show them how. Don't get up there and just say, come on, come on, come on. If you want them to jump, show them how. Woo! Hallelujah. Praise God. I'm telling you, the Holy Ghost calls for us in this latter day. God's not going to make you jump. God's not going to make you cry. But if you're ever going to get what you need, he ought to be able to just coerce you by saying, come unto me. He ought to just be able to breathe on you and say, yes, Jesus. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. When he looked at the 12 disciples, uh, he called them and they dropped their nets and they followed him. Problem with our day and hour, you may be seated, is that people have to be driven, coaxed, coerced, bribed to do anything for God. Praise God. Yes, I believe in platform guidelines and standards. Praise the Lord. I believe they ought to be there. Now, I'm not here to draw them and try to make anybody feel uncomfortable. But I told them at our church, if you can't pray an hour a day, I don't have time to listen to you sing. And I'm sorry. I'm not trying to be offensive here tonight. But I'm telling you, this is a work of the Spirit. I don't want somebody leading a congregation to prayer and to praise that hasn't prayed about their responsibility to the service that night. Well, glory to God. But even though when I'm talking about an hour of prayer a day, I don't want them just to pray. Say, well, if I'm going to sing in the choir tonight, I better pray an hour a day. Uh, if I'm going to get up there and I'm going to be involved in the Sunday school department, I have to pray an hour a day. They miss the entire point. I want them to pray an hour a day because they want to. 
line just in case they lose the incentive, then the guideline is there. But there's something beautiful about somebody that can be led by the Spirit of God. And they love to worship God simply because they love God. Praise God. You want me to preach some more? I'm going to preach some more. It's a whole lot better if I know you want me to. (laughs) Praise God. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. As uh, several weeks ago, dear friend, Brother Lawhorn is at his church. They were having a testimony service. And if you've never been to Bedford, it's run different than any place I've ever seen all my life. But it's so beautiful and it's so wonderful. And uh, and it's not, uh, and, and I'll just drop it right there. But all of a sudden, after a man got through testifying about the graciousness and goodness of God, uh, the man sat down and there was like a 30-second lapse of uh, just, just silence. And all of a sudden, the man on front, right toward the back jumped up on his feet. Nobody asked him to do it. He threw his hands up and said, I love you, Jesus! And the place went nuts. Why do we always have to be asked to worship God? Why do we always have to be asked to clap our hands? Why does somebody always have to run the out first before we ever get prompted to do something for God? As many as are led by the Spirit of God, they are the sons of God. Well, let's take a little time and worship the Lord just for a moment. Jesus, I sure do love you. Jesus, I sure do love you. God, I am so grateful for your blessings. Hallelujah. Blessed be the name of the Lord. Is it possible, you may be seated, that the reason why we're not so easily led, there's still too much of us alive. Still too much of us alive. I remember some time ago, as just a little boy, my mother was born and raised in Mississippi. And you can tell that I spent a little time there because if I've been away long enough now, I say Mississippi. But if you're really from there, it's Mississippi. You lose a syllable there from Mississippi. And uh, my great-grandmother passed away and they had a wake in those times, in those red clay hills between Louisville and Carthage, uh, where my great-grandmother used to live, they, they would take and lay the body in state at the house of the deceased. And then they'd have food prepared in the back. And it was one of them hot Mississippi days and uh, about 90% humidity and about 96 degrees, no air conditioning. And they had the casket and grandma, great-grandma laying out in the front room and I walked up, it was one of the first dead bodies I ever seen, and I looked at it, and there was a fly crawling down the bridge of her nose. And I was intrigued, and I was always of the honorary sort as a boy anyhow, and I was watching this fly, and, and uh, I remember what went in my mind. That I was watching this fly as it was just crawling around, just exploring, 
And uh, I thought about the times that my mom and dad would be downstairs to pray in the old prayer room, the old church that they got the Holy Ghost in. And, and uh, I'd let all my friends go to sleep and I'd always find me a string. And uh, I'd run it under their nose. And when they'd suck that air in up their nose, they'd suck that string and I'd pull that string out. And they'd make the craziest faces and usually come up wanting to hit me. Mom and dad's downstairs praying. I was being entertained. <laughs> I'd tickle that around there and they, you know, they'd scrunch their nose and they'd make faces with their mouth. And, and then finally they'd suck that string up their nose and, and man, they, they's fighting mad. My sister was the worst one. She's always got mad at me for that. And, uh, I guess she's forgiven me, but, uh, but I noticed that this fly crawling across grandma's face, uh, she wasn't making these faces. She wasn't scrunching her nose. I was thinking about that as a little kid. I didn't know I was going to be preaching that in California years later. But here I am bringing it up. And uh, she wasn't making these crazy faces and all that. And I thought about it as I began to put this message together. Reason why she wasn't? She was dead. You could have put a string under her nose and tickled her nose and she'd have never, she'd have never moved her nose. She'd have never moved her mouth. She didn't, she, you know, she was dead. You know the reason why so many people are so affected with bad temptation? They're not dead. If you ever die out to your flesh, a cigarette could walk right in front of you and you'd never make a sound. Why? Because you're dead. You ain't hearing me. <laughs> if you ever get that flesh under submission to the spirit, then when temptation comes walking by, it doesn't get your attention. It doesn't get your second thought because you've nailed that flesh to the cross. I am crucified with Christ, but yet nevertheless, I live. Hallelujah. If you had an authority problem before you found God, when you get that flesh nailed to the cross, the preacher can get right in your face, put his finger right on the end of your nose, and you'll still love him and say, preach to me, man of God. Temptations with money and greed and paying of tithe and on and on person that was ate up with lust when they finally get that under control a person could walk right by them and never get them the second glance because they have nailed that flesh to the cross I'm preaching to folks tonight that are still battling and the devil has tried to tell you that you don't have the Holy Ghost you do have the Holy Ghost but your flesh is still alive I hope that before we get through with this camp this week, that that flesh can lay down on the cross and die so that we can get up and live for God like we have never before in our entire lives. Hallelujah, hallelujah. Maybe seated. I must hurry. I must hurry. And of course, the greatest example of all is where I want to tie in. And please give me, if you will, the opportunity and the privilege not to preach this from a chronological point of view, 
But I think about our dear Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. As they nailed him to the cross. And they put him between two thieves. And there's a lot to preach there. We'll skip over that. But there were seven different utterances that he made in his final days of living. And as he began to go through the process of his flesh dying. And uh, him becoming that sacrificial lamb offering for then, now, and forever. And shed sinless blood. So that you and I could obtain and retain remission of sins. And thank God for that. Everybody say praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. They made statements to him. They said uh, uh, about glory and that he could save others but himself he could not save. And when it really comes down to it, when the flesh is nailed down to the cross. You're not interested in saving your own way. And your own feelings. And your own ego. It's not your will anymore. The attitude has to come from Gethsemane. Not my will, but thy will be done. But you and I both know that it's easier to say that than it is to bring it to pass. The first thing that I want to bring out is in John 19. The first words that Jesus said, mother, behold thy son. Jesus therefore saw his mother and the disciples standing beside whom he loved. He saith unto his mother, woman, behold thy son. And then he saith to the disciple, behold thy mother. And from that hour, that disciple took her into his own home. And so the first attitude of a dying man is that I don't want you crying about my tribulation. I'm not doing this for anyone to look on. I have seen people in my little tenure of life, they would come to the altar and they would repent and they would go through all the motions because they wanted everybody's attention. There are pastors here that know I'm telling the truth tonight. There are people perhaps in your congregation, if it is of any size at all, that there are some people that only come up because they want the attention. There are some people that want to talk to you after church, not because they want your advice, but because they want your attention. Amen. But in this word of a dying man is I'm not trying to get attention. I'm not trying to get everybody's sympathy about my problem. Just leave me alone and let me pay the price. And so he says, behold thy son. Praise God. Uh, the, he said some people that are only sacrificed when others are looking but one that is really dying out to the carnal flesh sends all others away so that he and God may accomplish the gruesome task without an audience I'm not doing this for anybody else can I talk to young people tonight when you come to the altar and you come seeking after God to get victory and deliverance and direction forget about your friends don't try to get anybody else's attention. It's just you and God. Brother, when a man is dying out to his flesh, he doesn't run the aisles to get everybody's attention. He does it for God. Well, glory to God. They don't stand up and clap and shout to get people's attention. They do it because they want God's attention. They're doing it for God. They're not doing it for anybody else. 
you try to do it for somebody else, they're always going to be pointing an accusing finger. They're always going to be finding fault and flaw with what you're trying to do for God. Forget about them. Forget about what the world is going to do. They'll laugh you all the way to hell if you'll let them. But when I come to do the will of God, it's just me and God. Praise God. John 19, the second thing Jesus uttered, and again, I'm not going in chronological order. After this, Jesus, knowing all things were accomplished and the scripture might be fulfilled, he said, I thirst. And there's something about a person as they begin to die out to the will of the flesh. They get a driving, insatiable thirst for God. Why is it that there are so many people among us, young people included, that unless somebody preaches them in the altar, unless somebody gives them a a swift kick or somebody gives them some great applause, that they are not ready to do anything for God. They'll shout during the revival and during the camp, but they'll go back home and be the hellion they were the other 11 months before they came to camp. You gonna let me preach to you tonight? But something happens when you die out to your flesh. All of a sudden, you just want God. I want God. I've got to have God. More than a hamburger, I want God. More than a girlfriend, I want God. More than money, I want God. More than getting married, I want God. Brother, when our flesh dies out, there is an insatiable driving thirst for God and His righteousness. Hallelujah. And when you're really thirsty, nobody has to beg you to drink. Hallelujah. We was praying around the altar the other night at home and prayed several through the Holy Ghost and was wore, wore out and I'd already drank the two glasses of water they had for me preaching at home and I reached over and I gave it to another man. I said, please go get me some water. And uh, they get our drinking water out of, a, out of a water purifier thing in the secretary's office and he came back and said, Pastor, he said, <clears throat> the office was locked. I had to get out of the, out of the water fountain. Brother Hyder, I just held it up. I said, sanctify it in Jesus' name and started drinking it. Praise God. Because I've drank some of that water and the reports of our water system at some times in the year has not been really good. And it did taste a little rusty, if you know what I mean. But I drank it because I was thirsty. And brother, when you're thirsty for God, it really doesn't matter. Can I preach to you out of my heart just a little while tonight? Because that's where it's going to end up. It really doesn't matter if the elder is at home, if it's just a 19-year-old student preacher preaching the Word of God. I just can't wait to get to church because I'm thirsty to hear from God. The singers don't have to be professional. Just go ahead and sing it anyhow. (laughs) Oh, I'm thirsty. I want God. I want God. Blessed are they which do hunger and thirst after righteousness, for they shall be filled. Because a dead man and a dying man is thirsty for God. 
Luke 23, 43, third thing Jesus uttered. Jesus said unto him, Verily I say unto you today, shalt thou be with me in paradise. Because whenever you finally die out to your flesh, your focus is not on you, but it's on somebody else. There are so many people that's all they're in the church for is about what the church can do for them. We get calls all the time. Uh, what does your church do? Do you have a gym? Do you have a ball team? Uh, what can you do? Do you have a, do you have a fund for the homeless? Do you have uh, food? Do you have a, a food bank for us? And I, and I look at them and I said, you know what? Uh, Salvation Army, they help you with that. And uh, such and such church has a gym and has teams and all that. But all we have to offer you is Jesus. I said, if you want to feel God and get the Holy Ghost, that's about all we can do for you. Now, I know some of you are chomping at the bench. You're thinking, my God, if you could just reach some of them. No, some of them, all they want, all they are is blessing bombs. They want to stand around and eat the lunch, and, but they don't want the flesh and blood. As long as you're passing out. Come on now. As long as you're passing out some of the lads' lunch, they'll stand there and they'll come back all the time until you run out, until it's time for commitment. There are some people that I've heard some folks say, oh, pastor's not going to be there this Sunday. Eh, I'm not going. I'm not going. Just that young preacher. Just his son's going to be preaching. One of them young preachers going to be preaching. I'm not hungry people. No. Hungry people will be there early. I remember the late brother Eddie Milam used to be in my dad's church, heavy set, but was a preacher's friend, prayed with me through the nights many times. We had great prayer meetings. And I'd be up, Brother Elder Howard, and I'd be up dropping my melon. And I'd hear him back there on that second pew. And you probably can remember and go, Oh, that's good. That's good. And it wasn't good. But he was hungry. And when a hungry man hears the word of God, it doesn't have to be a gourmet steak. It can be a bologna sandwich. But he still wants it because he's hungry. Oh, Jesus. <laughs> Hallelujah. I feel this in the Holy Ghost. My God, I feel like preaching tonight. I'm hungry for God. I'm thirsty for God. I came this week because I want to drink from the fountain. I want to eat from the God's table. I want the preacher to preach to me. I want the Spirit of God to lay me flat on my face. Lord, you don't have to put it on China. You can put it on a napkin. I'm hungry enough to eat it off of a napkin. Hallelujah. Let's worship the Lord just for a minute. Hallelujah.
And because I am hungry, I'm looking for somebody else I can help. You know, the best way you can stay in the church is to help win somebody else to God. All we are is one beggar telling another beggar where to get bread. Come on, get the focus off of yourself. It's not about me. Hallelujah. If I didn't feel compelled to the Holy Ghost, I'd stop it right here. But I've got another, another thing or two that I need. I need to say it. I need to say it. The fourth thing that Jesus said in Luke 23, he said, Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. And this indicates a life that is stripped of all bitterness. And it's quiet in here right now. But there's not a person in this large auditorium tonight that don't have a reason to be bitter. But nobody has a right to be bitter. Nobody. Nobody. I don't care who's done you wrong. I don't care what's been taken from you un- unjustly. Because a man that learns how to die out is a man that is devoid of bitterness. I wished I had a lot of time to develop this, but can I tell you, I know what it feels like. I know what it feels like to hang up a phone. Oh God, help me Jesus to be careful. And to write it in my mind that it was my phone call from hell. Fall in the floor and shake like a man going out of his mind. And say, God, I can't take anymore. And hear the Lord speak four words to me that still the storm. And I leapt to my feet, threw my hands as high as I could raise them and dried my tears and said, God, I'm the most blessed man in the world. And I looked at the situation and I said, forgive them because they don't know what they're doing. They don't know. Can I tell you that it may take a little time and things right themselves? Understand what I'm saying. God has a way. Come on, Joseph. You got to look your captor and those that sold you into bondage and said, You did it for evil, but God, it wasn't you, it was God. God was making a man out of me. God was making a saint out of me. 
I feel this in the Holy Ghost. There's some of you here tonight that you're carrying bitterness on your shoulder and you've got suitcases loaded with it. You need to get to the altar tonight and lay it at the cross and say, God, not my will. Family members, husbands, wives, children, situations, saints, you name it. All these things causes the hurt and the tear of bitterness in the soul. If you can ever lay down across an altar and learn to say, here's my hand, here's my hand. I got a, I've got a will of God to fulfill. I got to be saved. And that this is the journey that God has chosen for me. And it's not their problem. I'm taking the problem out of their hand and I'm laying it at the cross. God, you use this to make something out of me. I'm preaching to somebody right now. You need to look at the cross and say, God, I lay my bitterness there. You take it and make something out of me. Let's worship the Lord just a minute. I love you, Jesus. I love you, Jesus. I love you so much. I love you so much. I love you so much. Oh, I love you, Jesus. Oh, I love you, Jesus. Oh, Jesus. I love you, Jesus. Stand and lift your hands to the Lord. I'm going to wait on the Holy Ghost just a minute. The Holy Ghost is moving right now. Lift your hands to the Lord. I may not even finish preaching this message, but I'm reaching for somebody right now. On this first night, you're praying and seeking God that God would make something out of you, do something to you. And you're holding on to the crutch and to the suitcase of bitterness and it keeps pulling you back to the offense. God is saying, lay it at the cross. Go ahead, son. Go ahead, daughter. Nail it to the cross. You're never going to live until you nail it to the cross. You're never going to live until you nail it to the cross. I want the musicians to come.
to nail it to the cross tonight right across this front right on this concrete floor in between these benches and across this auditorium and in between these seats come on brother come on let's get hungry for God let's lose our selfishness let's lose our bitterness let's get hungry for God crucify that flesh so you can live I'm not just preaching to young people I'm preaching to the adults that stand in the back of this tabernacle tonight isn't it about time that God put his mighty hand on your life come on put it under the blood tonight find your way and nail it on a cross I'm crucified with Christ Nevertheless, I live, but yet not I, but Christ lives in me now. I let go of it. I got rid of it. Come on, let's make use of these altars tonight. Make use of these altars tonight. There's not a better time than to do it on this Monday night, June the 21st, 2010. Pacific Coast Camp. Something's going to happen.